I'm here to talk to you about uh, this potentially familiar story to you in Numbers 13 and 14, where Israel are on the brink of the promised land and Moses sends some spies into the land to kind of suss it out. And um, they come back and uh, they give a report and then the people have a bit of a freak out moment. And actually what happens is instead of going into land, they spend another 40 years in the desert. And um, this is, of course, we're looking at the story in the context of this series that you're doing as a church, looking about um, entering the promised land, moving towards the goal that God may have for you as individuals and families and as a whole church community. And um, I don't think it's for me to tell you what the promised land looks like, but I think what we can do as we look at this passage is figure out what does it look like for us to posture ourselves so that we're actually ready for the promised land. And this story is um, filled with uh, suggestions of what to do or rather what not to do in terms of getting yourself ready for following Yahweh into the promised land. So we're going to look through the story and I'm going to pull out some details and then as we go we're going to ask kind of three main questions. What does this story tell us about what God is like? What does this story tell us about what people are like, what we're like generally? And what does this story tell us about what it looks like to be faithful followers of Yahweh, a faithful God community, a faithful church? And these three questions are brilliant to ask whatever Bible passage you're reading, but we're going to kind of apply them to the text this morning. So just to recap the story in brief, as I say, we've got Israel on the brink of the promised land. And this is actually meant to be kind of the, the, the kind of the eve of success. This is the penultimate story in or is supposed to be the climax of what has been uh, going on for centuries now. You know, we're way back to God promising the promised land to Abraham and then Joseph going into Egypt and the people growing up in Egypt and then the Exodus and then, um, you know, the Red Sea and God giving the commands at Sinai and, and then they're, they're finally they're ready they're on the, the kind of the brink of the promised land right on the border and this is supposed to be the eve of success and instead what happens in this story is the climax of failure. Israel actually ends up uh, failing to be God's people, rebelling against God and uh, end up having to spend another 40 years in a desert so that an entire generation of Israelites unfaithful Israelites can die out so that a new generation can move in. And what we have is um, Moses sends some spies into the land, one for each of the tribes led by Caleb, and they have a scout round and they realise that this place is indeed a land flowing with milk and honey. It's exactly as God has described it, it's exactly as God has promised it. But at the same time they notice that the land is filled with um, people who may be quite tricky to overthrow. Uh, they got some strong fortifications and some mighty warriors there and so some of the spies come back and are uh, a little bit nervous. So they report back to the people when they say it is exactly as God has described it. But, you know, we should be aware that these people are kind of um, pretty strong, pretty tough. And Caleb and Joshua instantly go, oh, don't worry about that, we've got this, we've absolutely got this. And to be fair, we read in Numbers 1 that they have an army of like 600,000 uh, in Israel at this point in time. So it's not like they don't necessarily have it, but it, it may be tricky. Whereas the other spies are like, mm, yeah, we're not so sure. 
we, we don't think we've got this, or perhaps we don't think God's got this. So the people's response to hearing their report um, is that they go, well, God's against us. So, you know, we're better off like going back to Egypt or frankly, why don't we just die here? What is the point? And they get a bit worked up and ultimately they end up saying to God, we, we don't want to be your people anymore. Essentially, they say, you know, you've wanted to bring us into this land flowing with milk and honey. You've wanted to bless us as a nation, but we'd rather go back to Egypt. We'd rather not be your nation. We'd rather reassimilate as slaves. And so God essentially says, if that's what you want to choose, fine. And that's a really interesting response that we're going to hone in on later. The fact that God actually seems to give people their wishes. He seems to concede and say, if, if, if you don't want to be my people, you don't have to be my people. In fact, if you want to die in the wilderness, you can die in the wilderness. And we're going to explore that a little bit later on. But ultimately, as I've said, this, this is a story about, um, it's supposed to be about success. Instead, it ends up being about failure. And I want to look at why, what happened, what took place, what led to the ultimate failure of rejecting God and failing to take the promised land. And I think what we get to see throughout the passage is this little spiral of mistakes. So I think mistake number one, step number one is that the spies come back and instead of focusing on the truth of God's promise, that it's a land flowing with milk and honey, they focus on their own human capabilities. Instead of focusing on the truth of God's promise, they focus on their own capabilities or even limitations. So I'm all for pragmatism, by the way. I think sometimes it's important for us to do risk assessment. I don't think that's a bad thing. And I think that's why they're spying out the land in the first place. Moses says, you know, just, just go and check out the terrain a little bit. But in doing so, in kind of assessing the risk, they come back and they completely lose sight of everything, of what kind of where God is in the midst of this. They kind of lose sight of the fact that it is as God has said it would be. That actually so far everything God has said to them has proven true. Every promise has been fulfilled. And there have been countless stories since they left Egypt that have demonstrated God's faithfulness to them. And instead, they, they just dwell on their own uncertainties, their own insecurities, their own um, frailties and kind of capabilities. And it's funny because I don't actually think God is interested in our capabilities half the time. I actually think that God is interested in our incapability. The reason he takes a nation of slaves out of Egypt and sets them up is because he's like, it's not about what you can do. It's about what I can do. It's about what I can demonstrate to the world. How can I demonstrate my power through your weakness? That's a, a big theme in the Bible. And I think it's, it's really important for us as we consider what is the promised land that God wants to lead us into. That irrespective of the risk involved, and it's not that we shouldn't assess the risk, we should always remember, okay, well, if it's God that has said this, if it's God that has promised this, then maybe we need to not focus on our capabilities. We need to focus on God's promise. And that's something which Israel here completely failed to do. The second thing that I think Israel then failed to do is they let that fear, they let their dwelling on their own insecurities turn into kind of like spinning the whole situation out of kilter. You know, they start mythologizing, actually. What is it that they've seen? They've seen that 
um, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. And yet later on, they say this is a land that devours its inhabitants, which isn't actually true. And they, you know, they've seen that there are, you know, sons of Anak, the, these kind of giant warriors there. But now they imagine them as the Nephilim, you know, these ancient kind of almost um, mythological type giants, you know, the, the kind of the offspring between um, angels and, and humans, which, again, isn't actually true. And they say, oh, we're just grasshoppers in their eyes, which, again, isn't actually true. They've got a vast army at this stage. And again, this is a common theme for us. I think sometimes we have a brilliant capability of coming up against difficulties and then, and then honing in on that and then making things bigger than they are. And that leads us into kind of this spiral of mistrust, this spiral of kind of forgetting where God is in the midst of things. The third mistake I see in this passage is then the spies let their kind of mythologizing undermine therefore what they learned and knew to be true so we see kind of moving into chapter 14 they instantly decide that they were probably better off in egypt after all which of course we know they weren't you know they were slaves there they were the underclasses they were ill-treated and they decided that maybe yahweh wasn't for them after all maybe yahweh wasn't interested in protecting them which of course he absolutely was and we've had story after story after story of god demonstrating that and thirdly, they decided they were probably, therefore, better off without Yahweh. Um, they decide that they're going to elect a new captain, which is kind of tantamount to basically saying, we're not interested in you being our captain anymore, Yahweh. And again, we know they weren't better off without Yahweh in their lives. In fact, actually, without Yahweh, they, they sort of had nothing. And again, sometimes we, we can be like this, can't we? We can exaggerate situations and we can get so stuck on our own insecurities that we kind of actually just begin to allow ourselves to be deceived. And we deceive one another. That was the really interesting thing, these humans hyping one another up into rebellion. And so eventually they turn against one another and they finally they rebel against God. So what should they have done? If this is the like spiral of mistakes that they've made, what should they have done? And I think this is where um, Moses, Aaron, Caleb and Joshua come into their own, is they seem to do almost the exact opposite. Instead of focusing on their own capabilities, they focus on the goodness of God's promise. Instead of um, getting bogged down in kind of, uh, you know, the, 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 problems that appeared to lay ahead and kind of exaggerating them instead they focused on the possibility of what could be and instead of actually forgetting what they knew to be true about God we even see them remind God himself about who God is you know well hang on God you're supposed to be the one who is kind of rich in mercy and forgiving of the nation and I think this is the example to us when when we are getting ready for um, following God into the promised land. We need to focus on the promise. We need to focus on the possibility of what could be, not just exaggerate um, the possible struggles. And I think we need to latch onto and hold onto everything that God has revealed himself to be to us thus far, so that we don't find ourselves kind of falling into the trap of actually just becoming deceived. I think it's really helpful as well for us to consider what is God's response to this? God's response to the whole situation is to give the people what they want. 
So they said, oh, it'd be better if we died in the wilderness. And so God says, okay, if, if that's what you want to choose, you can die in the wilderness. And they say that actually they want to go back to Egypt. And although they don't go back to Egypt, actually they, um, they seem to suffer a number of plagues over the next generation, which is kind of reminiscent of the experience of the Egyptians. Ultimately, God has to kind of start again with a new generation. But interestingly, he never gives up on his plan. He never gives up on the desire to lead people into the promised land. He just lets those who decide they don't want to follow him opt out. And I think that's really, there's a really high challenge in that for us. The fact that God would let us opt out. The fact that God would say, okay, I'm not going to do all of this for you, but force you into something. If you really want out, you can have out. Is it possible for us to reject the promised land that God wants us, wants to lead us into? I think this passage says yes. So what is this, the moral of this story? Why is it in there? What does this teach us about what God is like? I think it teaches us that God is deeply committed to his purposes. Deeply like, committed to leading us forwards towards him, towards his goals for us as his followers. But God is also deeply willing to let us say no. God is deeply willing for, to let us choose our own fate, our own level of participation. He will let people count themselves out of his plans. What does this story teach us about what humans are like? Well, I think we have a tendency to get so distracted by what we see in front of us. The, the unanswerable questions or the fears, you know, even the valid ones, even the, you know, this might be tricky. But we have a, a propensity to get so drawn into those things that they cause us to lose sight of what God has said and what God can do and even who God is. What does this say about um, what it means to be God's people? Well, I think it says that actually, if we're going to follow God, we need to be a people who are better at leaning into faith than leaning into fear. We need to be people who are better at um, letting our faith push us forwards than let our fear pull us, pull us backwards. We definitely don't want to be the kind of people who go, we were better off in Egypt. I don't know about you, but I, one thing I often hear in church is, oh, do you remember the good old days? And um, I wonder if that's a little bit what's going on here with Israel. Do you remember Egypt? Do you remember how great Egypt was? Yeah, I mean, the sunshine was fantastic, wasn't it? Oh, and I really liked the food. You know, it's like we know they weren't better off. And, and sometimes we, we want to look back. And I think this is a story about saying God wants to lead us forwards. And actually, there is no going back in time. There is no going back to the place we've come from. So how do we lean into letting God lead us forwards by leaning into our faith? This is a story about choosing what is unknown. This is a story about being open to the goodness of God and clinging on to the goodness of God. That's what it looks like for us to be God's people, whatever the promised land may look like, whatever the lie of that land may seem, whatever the challenges that land may hold for us. And I think there's some really good caution in there about the fact that actually these are some mistakes you might make and ultimately do you want to count yourself out of God's promise? Do you want to be part of the generation that get to take the steps forwards and claim what has been declared? Or do you want to be part of the generation that actually your job is just to 
let the next generation do it. I don't know about you, I think that's kind of an easy choice. So I've got some questions for you that you may want to explore uh, as individuals, as families, as church moving forwards, just to kind of extrapolate from this story some things to help you reflect, I suppose. So question number one, what is the promise? What is God saying to your community about the shape of your future direction? Question number two, who are your spies? Who are you entrusting to spy out the potential blessings and challenges of the future and give you an accurate report? Question number three, what is your attitude? Are you ready and willing to face into the challenges and believe that God will help you overcome them? And question number four, what's your story so far? How has God proven himself to your community already? What stories can you hold on to to build your faith for the future? I hope and pray that as you journey into the promised land as Hope Church Basingstoke, that uh, you are able to cling on to the goodness of God, the promise of God, the faithfulness of God, and not get blindsided by your own fear. And may the promised land be that place flowing with milk and honey that you have an inkling it might be. Thanks for having me this morning. I hope that's been helpful. I hope it's been provocative. And um, I look forward to tracking with you from a distance to see what that promised land ends up looking like. God bless.